Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. It's been a busy few weeks since the last episode of the podcast, that very special show with the voice of Ironman Mike Riley. If you haven't listened to it, pop it on play and tune in. It will warm your heart on a chilly autumn day. I've been in the UK announcing at Ironman Wales and Ironman 70.3 Weymouth for the past two weekends, the final two events for the Ironman team in the UK and Ireland. Two great and very special events. Well done to each and every athlete who made it to the finish line in their respective races. With a very special shout out to the 10 athletes in 10B who completed their 10th Ironman Wales. Well done to Paul Arnold, Nick Elliott, Chris McKay, Ed Morgan, Nikki Reese, Paul Slack, Ryan Thomas, Paul Tuck, David Swan and the amazing Jane Arnold, who is the only female athlete to have completed all 10 Ironman events in Wales. That is some achievement. Next up for me is the Galway International Oyster Festival this weekend before taking to the skies for my American adventures. If you are racing in Kona at Ironman 70.3 Phoenix, Ironman California or at the Ironman 70.3 Worlds in Utah, please do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Big shout out to Tom at Marble City Travel in Kilkenny for sorting out my travel headaches and I had plenty of them. This week's special shout out goes to our very own Emma Porter who raced her first Ross Naman as part of the UCD cycling team. She put in a big effort and performance across the five-day, six-stage international women's-only cycling stage race and survived. Well done to Emma and to everybody who raced in that fantastic event. Congratulations also to former podcast guests Russell White and Becky Woods, who were crowned Triathlon Ireland Standard Distance National Champions following a morning of fast and fiercely competitive racing at the Pikeman Triathlon last Sunday. There's lots of news and stories to catch up on over on www.trytalkingsport.com. So pop over and check out the stories and articles and also have a look at the events listed on the site. Where will your next race take you? Finally, before we get into this week's episode, a big shout out to our partners, Nuasan, the skin and body care recovery brand who continue to support the show. If you haven't checked out the products yet, you are seriously missing out. Find them on www.newasan.com and use the code TTS15 to get 15% discount on your purchases. Christmas is fast approaching. Yes, I said it, the C word, but there's no denying it. So why not treat yourself or your favourite athlete to a gift from Newasan for under the tree? Now to this week's episode with age group triathlete Tom Rigby, who has had some stellar performances across swim, bike and run. Winner of the inaugural Ironman 70.3 Cork in Yaw last month, he backed up that impressive win by winning the overall age group race at the 10th edition of Ironman Wales last week, finishing in a time of 9.31.05. Tom was the third fastest age group athlete at Ironman UK last year, and in 2019 he was the fifth fastest overall and second in his age group at Ironman UK, earning him a much coveted slot for the Ironman World Championships in Kona. Taking up triathlon seven years ago or so, he raced Ironman UK in 2015 as a one and done, but he is far from done. He did take a bit of a break from racing triathlon to focus on cycling in recent years, where he has also had significant success. However, he missed the fun, camaraderie and friendship of training and racing with his friends and teammates at Tri Preston, and so has returned to the sport of triathlon. With consistency in training, some great training partners and steely determination, Tom has enjoyed super fast times and significant improvements in performance in recent years. 
2022 was a big year for Tom. Despite a late start to his triathlon season this year, it has been his most successful to date. And breaking the tape at the Ironman 70.3 in Cork was icing on the cake. In this episode, we get some insight into Tom's approach to training and racing whilst working a 40-hour-a-week job, as well as balancing family life with his wife, Kerry, and two children, Evelyn and Sophie, who join us on the show for a couple of minutes. Together, Tom and Kerry are embracing triathlon as a way of life for their family. Tom may be the athlete standing on the start line of a race, but Kerry is a key part of Tom's success and together they enjoy and endure the sport of triathlon as a team. Now go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Tom Rigby, welcome to Try Talking Sport, fresh from that fantastic age group win at Ironman Wales and that overall win at Ironman 70.3 Cork in Yall just a couple of weeks ago. Delighted to have you on the show. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You have had a seriously good season so far this year. Tell us a little bit about how it all unfolded for you. It's actually been quite a short one for me. Um, Towards the start of the year, I I wasn't planning on doing any triathlon just because of family life and work commitments and stuff. So um, I was just doing a bit of cycling, a few time trial events, and uh, I soon got fed up and wanted to get back involved in triathlon. I started to miss it. Missing all the uh, the banter with mates and um, and training with them, so uh, that's when I signed up to Court seventy point three and got a good couple of months like solid training in for it. And then when Wales released some more entries, I thought, oh well, I'm, I'm already training. I might as well jump on that too. Yeah, I think just before Cork, I signed up. Always going to go down because um, a few of my mates from work were doing it. We've been down the last two years, and because it's been cancelled for COVID, we've uh, ended up just getting drunk. So <laughs> like this time, it was. Uh, I thought, oh, well, there's actually entries available. I can go and do it. We'll get right into talking about Cork and Wales in just a few minutes. But for the listeners who mightn't be aware of who you are, tell us how did you get into the sport of triathlon and why do you love it so much? I think it was just like um, something that came up at work. Um, we used to do odd events together, like um, tough mudder type things. And, you know, just for a bit of laugh with the work lads. And then one day someone said, oh, I'm going to do a triathlon. So... Well, like, all right, but it's just another one of those things, and we went and did it, and I just kind of got the bug, and that was that was it from then. We really enjoyed it, and we're all still doing it now, every one of us. So, yeah, it was good. I think you told me that it was uh, 2015 you started, and it was meant to be one and done, but you're still here in 2022 and taking wins left, right, and centre. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think the first one was in 2014, and um, one of the lads from work did the Ironman. So it was always on my radar then. And because we'd done the shorter triathlon um, altogether, it's like a, just a bit of a weekend away, really. Was, we ended up drinking before that one as well, a bit of a theme with, uh, with them lads. But uh, yeah, it was very not very serious at all. But from then I knew about the Ironman. So I entered 2015 and that was, I thought, I'll get it, get it ticked off. And then, um, you know, I, I can, because I just, um, we just had Evelyn, my first daughter in, yeah, at the end of 2014 so it was like thinking well you know once I get this out of the way then uh, then that's it it's just a, a box to tick. I did the Ironman in 2015 and then because the bike was my like the strongest discipline um, I kind of carried on with that from then so I started doing um, time trials and yeah I think I did about a year of time trial and I had quite a bit of success with it and that's when I really started to get competitive I started to take a few wins and really started to like see some fitness gains. And then I did a little bit of road racing after that. 
a few crit races and then it was just by chance that I kind of came back into triathlon. There's a, a local event or it's triathlon and they put a thousand pound prize for charity for the winning team. So um, a club tri Preston who I was with since I started doing it back in 2014. It's like the more numbers you have in the better. So I thought, well, I've been cycling a lot. I'm fit enough to get around it and I won't mind doing another one because I did miss it a bit. So I ended up doing it, doing well. I won it just about. And I thought, well, I've done this with no running or swimming. So I've obviously managed to bring my fitness on a bit since last time. So I uh, yeah, just cracked on with it seriously again from then on. So what does a typical training week look like? I just try and cram as much as I can in really um, around work and family. It's not super structured like a lot of people do. Um, I, I am quite flexible. I kind of go day to day on how I'm feeling. Um, so I ran right to work so that's a few miles there and then I'll always try and do maybe like three decent sessions in, in each discipline a week um, but generally just trying to do as much as, uh, there's a lot of easy training um, in my week because if I I've got to do too much at high intensity I just end up wiped out and I end up uh, not enjoying it too much so what but, do you consider as a decent session? Is that like a, a long bike ride, a long swim, a long run? Yeah, I'll try and do one of each uh, a week. And then I will do some intensity, but um, maybe intervals on the turbo or going out with a cycling club and doing a chain gang. And I've just recently started swimming with a group. There are a lot of faster swimmers than me, so that's always intense. Even when they're going easy, I'm, I'm trying to you know, keep up with them and on my limit. But um yeah, I, I try and vary it, but a lot of the time I am just listening to my body and making sure that I can actually be consistent. I always try and think about the next day, making sure that I, I know I'm going to be able to train properly the next day without worrying too much about the like hitting the specific sessions or you know hitting certain numbers, training stress scores, and all that. And do you have a coach, Tom? No, no, just um, just self coached. That's why I wing it. <laughs> but you spend a lot of time um, training with Dan McParland, I believe, and he was down there to support you along with your wife Kerry on Sunday in Wales. Yeah, Dan's great. I've, I've learned a lot from Dan because he's uh, so enthusiastic about the sport and he's been around forever. So, you know, so there were some pictures floating around with him um, of him not so long ago with uh, his GB cropped up on. So that shows a lot how long he's been in the sport. So there's not a lot that he doesn't know. So he's a brilliant person to, to train with and through that we've become good mates and um, like I say so enthusiastic you can't help but you know get some of that and, and getting motivated to to do your best as well and he's a great athlete as well he's not shy of being on a few podiums himself yeah he's had a really good year as well like even now after being in the sport for so long he's still improving and it's just yeah credit to him and it makes us all um, you know want to do better as well yeah, it was great uh, to see him uh, racing in, in Cork as well. And he raced in Bolton also. So it was it was lovely to yeah. see him there. Yeah, there's not much that he's not entered this year. I think he's, uh, he's well, he did Utah, Bolton, Cork, and he's on his way to Florida soon. So A busy schedule. Um, coming back to you, Tom, talk to me a little bit about um, Cork and Wales. In terms of, I suppose, your race performance in Cork, you literally ran away with it. 
you know, you had a significant lead over Graham Dillon, who was second fastest age grouper, who we had on the podcast uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Talk us through your race day and your race build up for Cork. There was lots of factors, I guess, in, in coming across the water to Ireland, obviously travel logistics, but then the heat as well on the Saturday, because we did have a mini heat wave in Ireland for that weekend. Yeah, we came out a little bit earlier and spent some time with Kerry's auntie, um, just a couple of days there, which was nice. That was nice and relaxing, just to, you know, a little bit of a holiday. It was nice and sunny then as well. So we were at the beach with the kids and yeah, it was a nice chilled few days before we headed down to, to the all. And then, um, yeah, quite relaxed, really. We we all had a big house, uh, quite a few of us over from the northwest, so uh, there's some really good athletes in there, but it was just a good good atmosphere. Everyone was having a, a good time. And then um, obviously the race just kind of panned out. You know, normally something goes wrong for me, but it, nothing really did on that day. So I was happy to have a, a bit of a lead off the bike on Graham because uh, it looked like he was absolutely flying on the run. So it was nice to have a bit of a buffer. And then the heat, it was, it was hot towards the end of the run, but because we started at six, I don't think we had it as, as bad as the guys did the next day when they were doing the full distance. And did you enjoy the race? Did you enjoy the crowds? Oh, it was, yeah, it was incredible. Um, from when we got in there, it was like just all the shops, everybody, there's flags everywhere. And it, we really were made to feel welcome because uh, I know sometimes it can be a bit of a pain with road closures and stuff. And But we didn't get any negativity at all. And that's right. Uh, already signed up to go back next year so it's just yeah it's an amazing place and a great place to have an Ironman. And are you going to go to try defend your 70.3 title or have you signed up for the full in Ireland? I've signed up to the full um, so yeah I'm going to go and give that a crack. Brilliant and talk to me about Windmill Hill on the podcast we did with the fastest Irish age groupers they all were raving about Windmill Hill and everybody is talking about Windmill Hill. What was your experience of it? It was incredible. It was probably one of the best moments I've had in triathlon because for a start, when I was coming into the old, the police motorbike put the sirens on and that was just so cool. I, I really enjoyed it and I was pinching myself at that point anyway because I just thought this is this is wicked. I was leaving, leading the race, which, you know, I've never led an Ironman race before and then the sirens were on and then you swing around and then you just see everyone on the hill and it was just an amazing experience. If anyone's thinking about doing Cork or wants to go to a race with a good atmosphere and an iconic climb, that is the one. And what was the plan going into the hill? I mean, had you gone up and down it a couple of times pre-race and known what to expect? And what was your plan going into it? Was it hammer the hell out of it and just get to the top as quickly as possible? Or like, did all plans go out the window when you saw the crowds on the course? Yeah, the only time I saw it really was on the Friday when uh, it just walked up it. And I was, you know, when you hear about steep hills and stuff, I've ridden steep hills in the past and think, oh, I can't be that bad. It's, it's not, you know, it'll be all right. I've got quite big gearing on my CT bike, so it'll be fine. It won't last too long. I'll, I'll get up it. And then I saw it on Friday. I was like, ooh, this really is steep. Um, but it, it was all right on the day, just due to the crowds and stuff. I think because of all the crowds, you do tend to push harder anyway. Um, and it is, it's that steep. It might be the best way to ride it is to get up. And then coming down the finish line, you obviously knew you were the winner, that there's no way that Graham could have caught you, even though it was a rolling start. You probably knew coming down the finish line that you were the winner, did you? Yeah, I had a pretty good idea because um, I could see Graham on the course and 
and I knew it was in second because of the the lead bikes. So yeah, it was nice to be able to soak it up and and kind of appreciate it at the time rather than waiting to, uh, to get it confirmed. Yeah, and what was the highlight of the Cork event for you, other than your kids doing Iron Kids on Friday evening, which Evelyn and Sophie enjoyed? To be honest, I just loved the whole weekend from start to finish. It was it was great having the kids involved on the Friday, and then me racing on the Saturday. Obviously, I had a good race, so I really enjoyed that. And then I got to watch all my mates race on the Sunday, which was brilliant because I love sporting as much as I do racing, especially when there's people that I know that are, that are racing and. I say Dan was doing it. He was high up in the overall, and um, and some of my other mates were doing it. Um, Dave Rupert, Andy Kelly, and George Martindale, Ryan Snead. They they all shared the house with us, and and they were all smashing it. So it was great to like just get involved and cheer them on. If you were to look back at your performance in Cork, is there anything that you would have done differently looking at it now on reflection? No, it's quite rare for me that because normally something goes wrong, but. Um, it was just one of those uh, one of those days that you don't get very often where nothing goes wrong and uh, yeah I wouldn't do it wouldn't change anything and then there wasn't much of a gap between Cork and Wales was it four weekends we had between the two races yeah yeah that's right so how did you recover after Cork and then build towards Wales not very well to be honest (laughs) (laughs) I think we had too much beer after the uh, after the full on the Monday after the awards um so it took me a while to get get back into a good sleeping pattern after uh, after we got home and uh, yeah I did manage to get one decent week in and then one half decent week and then before I knew it it was it was time to kind of ease off a little bit for Wales so um, I didn't really I feel like I got the bulk of me work done before Cork and then it was just a case of trying to tick over as best I could for Wales. That's what I was going to ask next was you know did you have all the work done coming into Cork that you could literally just tick over the miles um, in the build-up to Wales. Obviously, Cork would have been a big day, a big performance day for you in terms of what it took out of your body. So then by the time you recovered and then slowly built back up again for the full distance, there wasn't really that much time. Yeah, I think that's right. I did have probably the best two months of training before Cork that I've ever had. Like I say, I didn't train until quite late in the year when I decided I was going to go to Ireland. But when I'd made that decision, I really did knuckle down and um, and it was consistent. And um, yeah, it paid off and it was good to see that it transferred over to the full distance as well. And then, of course, standing at the start line in Wales on Sunday morning, there was a few poignant moments as we had a minute silence for the, the death of, of Queen Elizabeth. And we played the UK national anthem, the Welsh national anthem, and then it was time to let the pros go. So you're standing there embracing all of this atmosphere and, and the nerves. What was it like standing on the start line for Wales? That was an incredible experience. I think that was that's one of the things that people always talk about with Wales is the before the start on the beach and when they're singing the anthem it, it really is incredible and it definitely has to be experienced and uh, I think it was probably even um maybe I don't know with having the break of um Covid for the last two years it just made you appreciate it a little bit more that you can get that many people in one place and get that kind of atmosphere because we've just not had it in so long. The swim wasn't very nice I believe. <laughs> I think some people enjoyed it more than I did. <laughs> but um, You did a good yeah, swim time, though. You did one hour and 50 seconds for your swim. Yeah, I, that was probably the one thing I was a bit actually disappointed with. Um, 
kind of made some gains recently in my swimming and uh, I just had a bit of a, a bad start in the chop and rough waves. But um, I was I was quite happy with how I dealt with it and kind of just got on. It's a long day and, you know, I didn't let it affect me too much, but I just kind of lost that that group that I was hoping to be in and it took me a while to find my rhythm. But it, it was insane. Like, I, I've not got a lot of open water, especially sea uh, swimming experience. So it, it was what it was, I think. If I was to go into a race now uh, with conditions like that, I'd be a lot better prepared for it just from from doing Wales. And it's the same for everyone else that did the race. Like every credit because it was uh, it was rough. Yeah, and uh, then add on to that bike course, iconic bike course on the Ironman circuit. Yeah, it's it's a real riders course, and same as Cork, really. Just really enjoyed it, and it it does help break it up. Um, you know, you, you're always concentrating on what's coming up next, whether. Just corners, descents, climbs. It's um, you know, it keeps you engaged all the way through, and um, just pacing myself to what I thought I could do, and maybe pushing a little bit harder than what I've done in the past. But I think it was just juice, good training I'd done beforehand, and uh, it, it was it was good to get round. And I was glad to get off the bike, put it that way. But I was, <laughs> I did, yeah, it, I did really enjoy it, especially the sport at Saunders Foot. It was, uh, it was incredible. So the question I have is, how does Saunders foot compare to Windmill Hill? And I could get fired for asking that question. <laughs> Some of my mate asked me that and um, I said to him, I think it's on a par. I really do. I think the support is absolutely epic at both. Um, I think for me personally, just because I was leading the race at Cork, it was such a good moment. I think I'd just edge it this year, but um, I think that was just the circumstances of it rather than uh, the actual hill uh, and support itself. And of course, you've raced at uh, at Ironman UK as well a couple of times. So, and you pretty much live, you know, within a couple of miles of the course. So, between Cork, Wales, and Bolton, what is your favourite course? Oh, it's a tough one. I do like them all. Um, Bolton's great because it's home race, and there's so many great athletes in the northwest. And I think that's down to having an Ironman there. And Bolton's the opportunity where you get to race against them all because we all live on the doorstep. We think, let's go in there and have at it. So I, I do love that race. Um, but equally, Cork, I say, signed up straight away for the full as soon as I've done the 70.3 this year. And Wales was a, amazing, probably one of the best experiences I've had um, racing. So, yeah, not a great answer, but I do like them all. <laughs> it's totally political there, Tom, so it is. I know, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, when you complete Ironman Ireland next year, you'll actually have the Tri-Nations done. So you'll have UK in 2021, Wales in 2022, and Ireland in 2023. I think it's oh, the, cool. there's a, I think there's a Tri-Nation for the three full distance races within a certain period oh, cool. of time. I think it's three years. I could be wrong, but I'll double check be, it. Yeah, if it's three cool, years. It? Yeah. Happy days, yeah. yeah. You probably jinxed me there, though. I'll, uh... <laughs> not at all. I'm expecting you to win at Ironman UK next year. Now, that's no pressure. That's probably oh, jinxed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll blame you. Coming back to Ironman Wales and onto that run course, because that's not a flat course either. So you mentioned that you went a bit hard on, on the bike course um, and we're glad to get off it. But you know, what was it like coming off the bike and then heading out onto that run? You did a 3.08 marathon on Sunday. Yeah, it was all right, actually. Um, I got the first lap done uh, just as Andy Horsfall-Turner was coming in on his second lap. So I was kind of running behind him for a bit, which I think just helps mentally when there's someone. I, think, I thought, well, Andy's a good runner, so I know he's running at a good pace and I was kind of holding the same kind of uh, pace as him. So I thought, well, you know, I'm not running badly. Um, 
and then second lap went pretty well as well. Third lap, um, I ended up running with um, a guy I know from Manchester, Graham Rands. He was running a really good race and we just ended up together and that really helped just um, having a little bit of company, even though we weren't saying much to each other. Um, and then the fourth lap, I'd managed to get myself into the lead and but I was getting told off um, off people on the side that there was someone catching me. So that was where I really had to kind of um, turn the screw a little bit and make sure I got to the finish and held the position. Looking at your stats over the past couple of full distance races, your slowest marathon was a 3.22, which was in Kona in 2019. And your fastest was 3.08 on Sunday. That's a big improvement, yeah. even 3.16 in Bolton. And considering the conditions we had in Wales um, and, and the super bike that you did as well, I mean, that's a great uh, run on that course in Wales. I think, yeah, I think the overall performance was the best I've had in an Ironman. That was my fifth one, so hopefully I can keep building on that and keep getting better. I know a lot of the top guys have just got a lot of experience, and I think I'm seeing that now. The more I'm doing, I'm just chipping away, getting better and better. Do you think having a bit more time to prepare, I suppose, or to consistently train as opposed to peak for racing during COVID, did that help in terms of your training and your performance, do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think what I realised in that time was... um, doing training that I enjoy because I wasn't training as specifically I could still get really fit and I think that helps especially as an age grouper if you come home and you've had a long day at work or you're tired from the training you've done over the weekend or or whatever and I think sometimes people think just have to tick that box on training peaks or or whatever but sometimes if you just do something you enjoy like I enjoy going out cycling with my mates or doing a chain gang or whatever it can be just as effective and you're not really losing much it's a lot better than doing nothing anyway so and you can get to a really good level of fitness by um by doing things that you, you like to do and if you're enjoying it you know you keep doing it so i think that just proves that you can get to a good level of fitness by training obviously within reason but you know you can you can get, can get a good level of fitness without being super specific in it being like a second job and you've had a big improvement on your run as well. Just looking at results from 2019 at Ironman UK, you ran um, a 3.20 marathon. Overall time was was 10 hours or so. But then on Sunday, you ran a 3.08 marathon and you finished in 9.31. Like that's a serious improvement across your bike and your run in particular. You were just a couple of seconds off on the swim, but your bike your bike was like 23 minutes faster and your run was 12 minutes faster. That's a big improvement. Yeah, I think that's um, just part of evolving as an athlete, just getting the consistency in over a number of years. I don't think it's, especially for the long distance races, I think it's really, it takes time to build up and you just have to keep chipping away, getting the miles in the legs. And it's not just over a couple of months before a race. I think it's over, it can be over a number of years before you really start start to hit your full potential. Coming back to the race on Sunday, you mentioned there a few minutes ago that the guy in second was beginning to chase you down. You ended up with a 148 difference, one minute, 48 seconds between yeah. you and second place. How did you force yourself to run a bit faster to ensure that you had enough of a gap to take the win on Sunday? I think um, I'd, I had actually paced it quite well and I did have a little bit more in the tank just, just in case, but it was a little bit close for comfort. Um, I saw Robert at the turnaround at the top of the course and uh, 
I noticed um, he had all the bands. I thought that must be second place and he's really close. So luckily it's mainly downhill to the finish. So I just thought if I run as fast as I can now and don't cramp up, he's going to have a job on to, to catch me. So it, it was just one of them. It's like, you've come this far, <laughs> might as well give it everything now just to get, get myself over that line. It's a great experience, especially um, with Kerry travelling down and, and Dan, they came down on the day. So and they went home on the day, which is probably more of an endurance uh, feat in itself. But um, just having them them there, I knew they'd be there at the finish line cheering me on. So it, it was it was it was amazing. You mentioned you've done five Ironmans, and this was your first overall age group win. What did that feel like? Really cool. It, it's when you're training, you kind of think about these things and wonder if it's possible or not. And uh, yeah, it was nice for it finally to come together, and hopefully, I'll be able to get a few more before I'm done. You said you were done back in 2015. We're seven years later. Yeah, I'll be done about three times this winter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll always be back. Like a bad I'll, penny. Always be back. And um, going into the race, going into Cork and going into Wales in particular, those two races, you know, did you expect to perform as well as you did and expect to come away with the wins? I knew I'd had um, a good block of training, like I said before. I had a about two months really solid training before Cork and um, just before it we had um, like a bit of a training week a, like a, well, a bit of a training camp up from home with a few of my mates and Dan um, he was there as well so I knew because Dan had just performed well at Bolton what good shape he was in and I was thinking well you know I'm I'm training well here because we were doing the same sessions and I knew I was performing well so I, I had a good idea of my fitness, but I didn't know how that would translate into results on the day because it had been so long. It felt like forever since Bolton last year, since the last race. So when you look back at your training, I suppose, from like when you started out to where you are now, how has your training changed or what are you doing differently that has made you so much faster and so much stronger? Or is it simply just consistency in training? Yeah, I think so. You hear it all the time that consistency is key. And I think for the long distance events, getting the volume in, I've probably just increased it over the years. But it's one of those things. It's, you know, just keep making the steps in the right direction. And uh, I think just it seems like it's it comes ever so slowly. But then, like you say, when you start mentioning results and seeing improvements in times, it, it does make you think, well, actually, there is quite a big improvement over what is relatively short period of time. And uh, I've mentioned it before. I think just doing things that you enjoy as well just try and make it so it's not like a second job try and get out it's it's swim bike and run at the end of the day if you if you enjoy doing it if you enjoy getting out and do it consistently you'll you'll get fit and that brings me to my next question which is if you had advice for athletes who are maybe taking on Ironman UK or Ironman Ireland or um, Ironman Wales what advice would you give to them going into those courses I'd say you probably get out what you put in. So if you can do the training beforehand, you'll enjoy the day. Um, and also, I think it's important to listen to your body on, on the race day. You know, it, it, don't get hung up on your power numbers or or your, your targets that you've set out beforehand. It, just listen to your body. If you're breathing heavy and you're not even halfway through the bike, you probably need to slow down a bit. And, and with the atmosphere and stuff, it can get easy. Well, it is easy to get carried away. So... Just uh, be realistic and think, can I sustain this to the finish line? And and generally, what your body's, if you look at the signs your body's telling you, it's right. So um, 
it's one of those things, such a, a big achievement and everyone has to make so many sacrifices and overcome things, especially when you're an age group athlete, you've, you've got to juggle so many things around. So it, if you just soak it all up, enjoy it, trained hard to get there and get to the finish line, it's, um, yeah, it's mega. And, and I think when I was watching the finish line at Wales, it, it's great to see people come on over the line and you see what it means to them. I, I've, Every person, all the way through, the, just the relief, the you know excitement, all the emotions as the cross line. It, it's great to see, and and that's what's waiting for you at the finish. So, it's yeah, good to, good to it, see. It's brilliant, and of course, um, we had the ten athletes who crossed the line ten years of of Ironman Wales on on Sunday, and that was that was very special as well to see those athletes start on Sunday morning and then cross the line. Um, you mentioned there about not having your training like a second job how do you balance your work with your home life and your training you've two young kids a wonderful partner and then you have a full-time job as well so how do you get the balance right I know you say a cycle to work but there's a lot more training that needs to go in to to get your sessions done I am really lucky that I've got such a supportive wife Kerry helps me massively she'll she knows what is involved with it now we've been doing it for a while so she knows that that I need to make sacrifices and get out and and just having her, her support makes it a lot easier. Um, I don't really um, have opportunities to train during the day due to my job, but I think there's no getting away from the fact that you've got to do a lot of volume to be successful at Ironman. You've got to do a lot of training. So I tend to do that in the key months before a race to, like, to build up to, to a race, but then I won't keep it going all year. You know, now I've got Wales done. I'll be spending more time with the family. I'll, you know, have to do more overtime at work and and start getting the balance back that way. Like I said before, you've got to make sacrifices, and especially building into a race, you know, you've got to prioritise the training. But um, yeah, now I've finished. Uh, the season's over for me. I can start, you know, giving a little bit back. You've been to Kona. You were there in 2019 after earning your slot at the Ironman UK in Bolton. What advice would you give to people going over there now for the very first time in terms of their prep and how they should approach their race day? On the race day, I'd be patient. It's it's really tough conditions. It's different, especially for UK-based athletes. Uh, the humidity can really start to bite you on the run. And it's really easy with so many good athletes there to go too hard on the bike You'll, even in the swim everyone will be trying to get to the front because everyone's used to being at the front obviously it's world championship fields so there's, there's so many strong people there and it is like any normal race it's easy to get carried away in Kona I think it's even even more more so um, especially the first few miles of the bike it, I think it's just important to be patient and then when you get up to Harvey, maybe that's the time to start putting a little bit more effort in and making some ground up where I think you get a little bit more back for your power output uh, going up the climb. It's just always have that marathon in the back of your mind. Whatever you save on the bike, you'll be able to use in the marathon. So it's it's just patience, patience, patience. That's really hard though, Tom, when you consider the crowds that are going to be there and you are going to potentially get sucked into the hype. But how how do you not get sucked into it though? Yeah, that, that is the tricky thing. Um, but especially, I think due to the nature of the bike course, when you when you're heading out on the bike, you you have to put a lot of power out to make up a little ground, and I think that's what can can really affect people on the run. 
if it's just kind of settling on the first half of the bike, um, it'll make for a, a better race. So, well, that's my opinion anyway. I know everyone's got their own strengths and weaknesses and some people that really want to do the damage on the bike and it might work for them. But I think, um, yeah, that, that marathon is just so hard. It's it's worth making sure you yeah erring on the side of caution, however hard it might be with the crowds. It's always good running down a leaky drive pretty quick and not walking anyway so <laughs> especially at the end yeah definitely yeah and then in terms of fueling and hydration because obviously you don't just have to fuel and hydrate for your uh, performance on the day but you've the extra factors of the heat and the humidity and making sure that you're not overcooking it with the fuel and hydration but then also not under fueling as well and, and keeping an eye on that sweat rate and everything yeah that's it and uh, making sure you've got your sodium topped up and and i think it's important to have a plan before you go into the race and try and stick to it but there's there's a stations all the way around the course there's never a point where you're gonna be completely lost so you've just got to manage it the best you can um and pacing plays a big part in it as well especially with the fueling i know a lot of people will have stomach issues and be blaming a dodgy gel but it really it could just be down to the fact that gone a little bit too hard on the bike you mentioned tom as well that it's the end of your race season for 2022 now so what's on the cards for next year we know you have ironman ireland but what else are you planning so there's always a season opener um in horwich near bolton uh the two up duathlon so I'll, I'll be doing that with dan that's always good fun always a lot of banter around that one because all the, the local lads will be out and it's a the team race so it's uh yeah good dynamic um and then after that, I'm not 100%, to be honest. Um, I don't really want to put too much in the calendar, but I've I've got a good feeling I'll probably end up doing Bolton uh, Bolton and Cork. I've not entered Bolton yet, but it's, it's looking likely. Actually, you may as well do Bolton, Cork and Wales, do the trilogy in one year. I think they're only two weeks apart. I'm Cork and Wales next year, so yeah, <laughs> I might be in big trouble if I did that. But um, yeah, don't put ideas in my head. <laughs> And tell me, what do you do to switch off from triathlon then as well? Like, what, what do you do just to chill outside of sport? Um, don't really have a lot of time outside of sport, to be honest now. But um, I, I love spending time with the kids and watching them do their, their hobbies as well. Um, they're both really into gymnastics, so that's always good to watch. I know nothing about it, but I'm always amazed when I go and watch them do it. And, and it makes me, it puts things into perspective for me, I think. That's real pressure, that when they're standing on a beam doing a routine in a competition and one slip and they're off. It makes you think like an Ironman, you know, you can make make a mistake and make up for it. It's not a, it's not, not too bad. So, yeah, I always like um, seeing them do well. I think we're going to bring them into the show at some point. But before we do, we did get some comments on social media. Lots of them were just comments rather than questions, but I'm going to fire them at you as rapid fire rounds. Lee Spoor says, I'd like to hear about the training behind Tom clocking the Strava King of the Mountain through Palma Airport and the shoe technology that went into it. That, that's from the, my early days in Tri-Preston. We used to do a training camp in York every year. And um, Tri-Preston's got a, a bit of a reputation as a, a drinking club that does triathlon and uh, I think that was one of them uh, situations there we, uh, we had a bit of a boozy last night and ended up losing my shoes so I had to borrow some sandals off um, the guy I was sharing a room with Paul uh, and the, I was taking the mick out of these sandals all week I said they're like something that Jesus had wear we're calling them Jesus slippers and then I ended up having to grovel for them because uh, I didn't have anything to wear home then I lost my passport and uh, 
<laughs> everyone was on the plane waiting for me until I, I finally found it. I had to pull my finger out running through duty free and hurdling kids and all sorts and got a big cheer when I got on the plane. Which is more embarrassing, holding the plane up because you'd lost your passport and were late getting on it or wearing those sandals getting on the plane? Oh, well, definitely the sandals, they're horrendous. <laughs> Alex Dalton asks, how has the Delft Triathlon Prep assisted you in becoming a two-time <laughs> champion? Oh, it's, all, it's a key session, the Delft Triathlon. It's one that we do before every race. So a week out, we'll just do a, a, a long swim in the, the Delft, which is a quarry near my house. And then we do it like a 50-mile bike with some Ironman pace efforts and then a 10k run but we started to get everybody on it now so all the all local hitters are joining in it's become a bit of an event, event in itself now your black nike run cap has come down that finish line on multiple occasions and dave rucroft would like to know if that run cap has ever been washed well it's absolutely tipped it down the last two ironmans i've done that's surely got to count uh, it has as been in it's rained a few times. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, I think I think Kerry said it had been washed. Uh, Gary yeah, McGonagall. she wouldn't let me get away with that. No, she absolutely let me, not. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Um, she probably waits till you're at work and and then washes it when you're gone and puts it back in the in the bag afterwards. <laughs> Jerry McGonagall says, "How significant is the Tri Preston leaderboard on Strava for driving your training volume?" <laughs> it's just another little uh, motivation. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I think half the people that I'm competing against don't really even realise it's there. I just stumbled across this leaderboard one day. And then I've made it a mission every week to try and get to the top of it. <laughs> just, it's just a volume leaderboard for the week. So, and now this podcast going out, maybe everyone will clock on and I'll, I'll stop winning it now. <laughs> so you're basically at the top of the leaderboard because nobody else knows about the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was hoping to keep that quiet, but uh, Jerry's rumbled me. <laughs> totally rumbled you. Um, when you look back at what you've achieved in, in triathlon, and I suppose particularly, you know, the last uh, two races, Cork and Wales, what what are you most proud of, Tom? Uh, I can't believe I've been stumped by that. I think winning court was a, an amazing moment. That's one I'll take with me. I'll never forget the, the break in the tape. It's a special feeling for for anybody, and especially an Ironman race where the competition's always so high. Um, yeah, I think that's that's one that. Um, I'll, uh, I'll be remembering for a long time. Do you want to bring the girls in? Do you want to get Evelyn and oh, yeah, cool. we'll pop them in for a minute with Kerry? They'll um, make the, the podcast a lot better. <laughs> 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 I can show you. Hi, Sophie. Hello. Hello, Evelyn. Hi, Kerry. <laughs> We're having a very special show with your dad today, but he told me that you went to Ireland. And did you do Iron Kids? Yeah. Did you enjoy it, Sophie? Did you? It was your first ever one, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you run really it. fast? Definitely behind. <laughs> what? Mummy behind. Oh no! <laughs> she dropped me on the first K. She was gone. <laughs> and what about you, Evelyn? Did you do Iron Kids? Oh yeah, she <laughs> fell over. Oh no way! You still finished it though, didn't you? You still finished. She fell over like round the back bit you know as you kind of like go out the start and then round to the back of the town you kind of you ended up just kind of falling over somebody else's feet didn't you did you both go down or just you but we finished it we made it to the end we got our medal <laughs> oh fabulous so you're you're an official iron kid then that's pretty cool you love it don't you you've got, you've got a few iron kid medals haven't you 
Yeah, he's in a few at Bolton oh, as well. You've only got one, yeah. And did, did, did you watch Daddy race then on Saturday? Yeah. He, did, he, was, yeah. he was very fast, wasn't he? Yeah. Does he do loads of training? Yeah. Does he? And mum is uh, nodding her head as well. Does he do any housework at all, does he? Does he do any housework? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the silence is deafening. <laughs> Make um, a lot of brews. Oh, you make a lot of tea. Does he make a lot of tea? Yeah. He makes a lot of good brews. He makes a lot of good brews. I suppose, you know, he has to he has to rehydrate after all his training. It's, he always seems to go out for a big bike ride or a big, big run and I'll put the kettle on and the next minute I see him come through the door. It's like he senses I've put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> or like I'm making some lunch, he disappears. <laughs> Brilliant. Kerry, I want to ask you a question on the podcast, if that's okay. When I was looking up some of the stuff about Tom, he always, in every single post, thanks you for your support and being there for him. You must be incredibly proud of what Tom has achieved as well and, and being part of that team, really, uh, to get to the finish line. Yeah, it's, um, I am incredibly proud and, you know, I can't say it enough, you know, I'll sing it from the, from the rooftops how proud I am. It's, it's hard, it's hard work, isn't it? But it's, when you see the results like you see, it just makes it all worthwhile, you know. Um, but when he finishes, people always congratulate me as well and I'm like, I don't really know what I've done and, you know, I, people say, oh, you do a lot more than you realise, but, you know, it's, the fact that Tom is so good make, makes it all worthwhile. I'll, I'll do anything that you I You love it more than I do. I, I, I do. I do love it. Um, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a try wife. You know, when it's the PTO races, I'm the first one to put the TV on and I'll be a bit glued to it, really, won't I? <laughs> yeah, we're all fans of it. Yeah, we? we are. And, um, you know, I've made some amazing friends. Tom's friends are my friends. When we came down to Tenby on Sunday, they looked after me because I do turn into a bit of a nervous wreck. Um, I do really, really well for the first like, for the first bit, and then when the bike, you know, starts getting a bit, a bit racy, and you know, they're going down the the rankings, and then the run started on Sunday, and it was like I can't cope with this. This was just 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 too much for my. Uh, I was turning into a bit of a nervous wreck, and and they really looked after me, and you know, it's 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 our life, really, isn't it? We love it. it keeps us keeps us busy. I asked this question to Tom earlier, like, how do you get the balance right across life and triathlon and family and work and everything, um, you know, to keep that passion for the sport as a couple, even as an individual, but really as a couple, because it is team Tom, really, at the end of the day, you know, he wouldn't be able to do it without your support. And obviously with the two kids as well. So for, you know, other age group athletes who are trying to emulate what Tom is doing, trying to get the balance right is really, really difficult. Yeah, it, you know, it, it is. And, you know, I won't lie some, some weekends when it's like, oh, I've got a big run or a big ride. And it's, you know, it's like it's both the weekend days have gone. It's sometimes I can be a bit, a bit grumpy and a bit like, all right, okay, you know, and the girls do so much gymnastics and, you know, whatnot. So I, but I, I'm, I'm so busy with the girls that, you know, I, I just, I just don't mind. And, you know, like I said before, when the results are as good as the results are, it it's just all worth it. all forgotten yeah. that I might have been narky that, you know, he's come home from a race and dropped me loads of run gear in front of the washing machine. But... It's his Nike, black, his Nike black hat waiting for a wash. <laughs> that black hat has been through the wash a fair few times. I'll wash it as soon as it gets home. Absolutely brilliant. Well, 
Thank you so much to um to Evelyn, Sophie, and to you, Kerry, for for popping in to say hello. Tom, thanks a million for for joining us on the show. You, you've had an incredible season. I know you say you've been in triathlon for you know seven years, and you've had some very significant results, even you know outside of of Ironman and, and through cycling and stuff as well. So I really can't wait to see what happens next year. If there was any race in the world that you could do now um, and do well at it, what would it be? Bolton. <laughs> no, I think it's just an important one for us because there's so many good local athletes and uh, I think that's the one that we all think about. But no, obviously there's so many races that I'd love to do well at. Um, but yeah, the ones that are on your mind are the ones where you're, you're racing against your, your rivals and you and in my case, a lot of them are my mates as well, but it's um, it's great. We motivate each other and take each other to, to new levels. So, yeah, that's probably the one I'll be thinking about over winter. Final question for you. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made in triathlon? Um, I didn't put enough clothes on when in T1 at Weymouth 2018, and I was so cold. I got pulled out um, at T2 because they sent me wobbling to my bag like a, a drunk because I was so cold. Um, and then they took my temperature and pulled me out there and then. And I don't just thought, what an idiot. You know, it was absolutely tipping it down, really strong wind and rain. And um, I just thought, oh, well, you know, that might cost me 10 watts putting that jacket on or <laughs> whatever. And obviously, it just before I knew it, I was trickling along and I was in a right state, so... Yeah, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes, I'd say. And a great piece of advice for people going racing at any race where there might be a potential for some rain. Yeah, common sense just goes out the window sometimes in a race. But um, yeah, I've learned a lesson there. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Tom, and to Kerry, Evelyn and Sophie as well for joining us on the podcast. Best of luck with your plans for next year. I hope I'll see you in Bolton, Ireland and maybe Wales. Not 100% sure about that, but I'll definitely see you at two out of three of them. Um, thanks very much, Joe, and I hope you have a great time in Kona and uh, make sure you give the Tri-Preston lads that are out there a good shout for me. I certainly will. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. If you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. With lots of episodes of the show now available, there's a huge back catalogue of inspiration and motivation to choose from. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please email me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Oh, yeah.